Pitbull, by the hell. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Who's that voice? I hear you asking, listener. Is it Barry White? No, it's not Barry White. I think he might be dead, actually. Anyway, who's not dead? It's Tom Bailey. How you doing, Tom? I'm I'm good. I'm better than dead, which is uh, well, good. We like that. We like not being dead. Good start, isn't it? Good start. Yeah, stars we mean to go on. And this podcast is very much alive. And also joining us tonight is Mr. Rick Hyatt. Good evening, Rick. Evening. How are we? Warmed up since Tuesday. So that's quite a good thing. It's taken two an hour, <laughs> but now, now I'm warm. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm assuming your winter fuel allowance has got something to do with that. Is that right? You're a very funny man. Everybody's laughing, I laughing know. at home now to that one. God. And last but not least, completing the quartet tonight, of course, the one, the only, Mr. Paul Thorpe is here. How are you doing, Thorpe? Well, um, what a, what a um, beautiful uh, coming into the show. Thank you very much, Mr. David Pryor. You're very welcome. Yeah, I won't. yeah and uh, it's, it's important that the lads, when they go away, remember the blankets that uh, we duly shared at the home game. So we it's, were it's... caught. We were caught by Tom Bailey, I think, at half time, if I remember rightly. <laughs> With the blankets over the it knees, was, it was full yeah. time. Yet yeah, came up and it was uh, it was a beautiful sight. Lovely, lovely old couple sharing their <laughs> sharing their blanket. It was a sweet moment. <laughs> Felt like I so, interrupted something. Well, funny you should say that because when Thorpe and I did the commentary during lockdown, and we did it for the YTFC feed as well. Obviously, away fans could listen in as well. And on the Torquay United forum, people were writing about me and Thorpe doing stuff under the table because we were that biased and close with one another. So uh, <laughs> people have been talking for years, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Evening, Abby. There's no smoke about <laughs> fire. What we do under the blanket is our business, isn't it? Well, yes, Absolutely. exactly. <laughs> but, but talking about years gone by, I just want to uh, mention the fact that Wednesday this week, was actually four years since the very first episode of Football Bloody Hell on Three Valleys Radio. Really? So, uh, boys, happy birthday. I know not all of you were involved from, from day one, but still, it's a family. It's the fourth birthday. Thorpe, I'll start with you. Happy birthday, mate. Well, thank you. And I'm absolutely shocked. It's four years. I know. Really? Did I have hair then? <laughs> and that's why, and that's why four I have decades, Thorpe. Four years. <laughs> Four years of my life, bloody hell! Football. <laughs> uh, and it was um, how it's time to birthday. change, mate? Because I think we were very. Uh, I think we were inside one of your many living rooms. <laughs> we were, we were, weren't we? We were. It was in, in on the south wing, I think. Yes, you were. Yes, yes, yes. We were definitely on the south wing there, and uh, it was very nice around the uh, twenty-six uh, seater table, wasn't it? Yeah, ample parking as well. There was ample parking there, <laughs> yes, for the stretch limos. But uh, it's come a long way. We're just down to a little bungalow now. The butlers, the butlers had to go. You know, poor AD. There we go, poor AD. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Yeah. Uh, so happy birthday to football, bloody hell! And we will start 
what should we start with? Well, we're going to have to start. Rick started um, touching on it about uh, him just about thawing out from the game up at Taunton because Tom Bailey and Rick were both there for Three Valleys Radio. Taunton nil, Yeovil Town one. Frank Newblay again. Tom Bailey, I'll start with you. What did you make of the game? Uh, it was not one for the neutral, I think. Judging from some of Rick's giggling next to me, he could tell I was really struggling for things to talk about. Yes, I did notice that. It was a hard watch, but the job was done. It was a professional performance, and at least from the angle we had, I thought it was a fantastic goal as well. Just a moment of class from Matty Worthington and uh, the finish from Newblay was was the difference in an otherwise drab game. Taunton looked good in their shape, and Yeovil just took their time they looked confident that they were going to win they were in no rush and um it turned out exactly that way you were there at the bath city game um the reverse up at twerton park was there shades um of that match that's the vibes i got listening to you both not so much as bath were more in that game they provided threat taunton other than maybe one or two half chances never really tested joe day i think there was one shot from ollie chamberlain that that really tested him but other than that the closest they came was Ross shades Stern. of chippenham if you take the goal out at the end obviously they conceded that day yeah i think it's more like chippenham yeah or even like earlier performances where uh it, i think maidstone was one i think truro was another where they were going at it but just didn't have anything this one was just very patient very confident it's it's funny how the context of a season can change your thoughts on a performance because putting it in if you just put them as a single isolated match they would feel the same but this has got a different feel to it because we're so far ahead and we've got a four game win streak now and, and all this stuff so it's um interesting to see how it's how the the context provided puts a different spin on the performance but yeah i think taunton should actually be okay as well but yeovil again it was exactly what we needed just a one no win get in get out another game down and uh, one step closer to being back to where we want to be. Rick, how many times this season on this podcast have we said that very line, get in, get out, job done, and that's exactly what happened again. But just putting the performance in the game aside a moment, your first away game for Free Valleys Radio, you've yes. mentioned the temperature. Um, how did you find it? Because looking at the pictures, it certainly looked nice and snug up on that gantry. Snug, very snug. There were lots of commentary people all over the place. You might have picked up some uh, some noises in the background of ours at various stages because that was that was the only thing that kept me going was the fact that there were other commentators on my lap and it was all we're all very good friends at the end of it. Apparently, the next challenge is to go to an away game that's out of the county. So I've I've got through one barrier and county or country. I don't know. It depends wherever you overgo, wherever they'll they'll have me have me commentating. Well done, Tom. There he managed to do about four minutes on that game, which is good. <laughs> as a good effort. It was pants as a spectacle, but as we keep saying, it's three points, isn't it? And that's what you want, and that's what you've got to get. Could have done without a look like a couple of injuries in the second half. Substituting substitutes, and, and Charlie Cooper was on one leg at the end of it. Hopefully, though, that's nothing, uh, nothing too serious, but there's a bit of a break until the next game, so hopefully everybody's all mended and ready to go for that one. But I, it's not one that's... Well, it will live long in the memory. That's a complete lie. It, for, but for all the wrong reasons, none of the footballing ones, mainly for the journey there and, and Tom's demolishing his sat-nav every five minutes, which was an absolute delight. 
and thank the freezing Halfords temperatures for that one. and the fact that I, it, despite the fact it was so cold, I was a real manly man and didn't wear gloves at all. Shut up, Bailey. It's on live broadcast. We can find the clips. We've got recorded evidence of me providing that. In fact, I'm sure there's even evidence on uh, Sheridan Robbins's Twitter page if anyone is really desperate to see Rick Hyatt wear gloves. I told her to stop <laughs> taking pictures of me. Leave me alone, woman, I said. Thorpe, <laughs> you've spoken about the fact that these games are very much a case of, you know, you just try and stifle the occasion, really, and just get the better of it. And certainly defensively, Yeovil very much look pretty solid at the moment. And you know that when they're going to get one goal, it's probably going to be enough. Absolutely. Um, an old Brian Hall saying, we'll win this game nil-nil. And that's what it means, as we've gone through it before, you know, is that you keep it tight and then you, you know you've got the class to be able to take one of your chances. And I think this is... a. Uh, this is classic away away day football, you know. Not 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 the excitement that you would want every single game, but I've seen that the highlights, and um, I've spoken to a couple of people about the game. You know, and I think it's it's very clear that Matty Worthington is in a a really good vein of form at the moment. He's controlling games. They've got that little bit of class that they showed, and obviously, uh, you know, an extremely good finish from um, Mr. Newblay. That um, that this level of football is is um, is showing a, a good a, a good vein of form as well. And I've picked up, you know, they also hit the crossbar as well. So there there was something that you know was a good save, but again that could have gone in. You know, and, and I picked up on a couple of uh, one more thing. This new celebration that they've actually started at the end of the game, where one person goes forward, you know, and does their little like you know um, you know chant free free you know punches to the air and uh, gets all the crowd going. What that does is bring a little get a camaraderie together. But what it also does is that the people who haven't done it want to do it. So that through the squad will give them a little bit more um, drive to, to get that win because they want to do that celebration. So um, hopefully that uh, those small things, you know, 13 points because it's theirs to lose now. And um, you know, that should give them the confidence to be able to to start um, picking up some more points and uh, playing some more expansive football. Yeah, you've mentioned it there, Thorpey. Uh, 13 points clear after that win. Tom, after 26 games, I think. I think we would all said you're um, you're a little silly or along those lines if you had said 26 games, 13 points clear. Absolutely, we'll take that. But this is the reality. It's all about making sure that they're just professional enough to keep going uh, and keep going until that final points tally is enough to obviously get him over the line yeah i think there's i think even if you'd said 13 points clear at the end of the season we'd still say you're stupid so the fact that we've got here and it's just past halfway is um is a credit to the work that mark cooper's done and perhaps to the quality of the rest of the league but you can only beat what's in front of you i mean i put in the group chat the other night i only think personally there's four maybe five tricky games left like really tricky games because Maidstone defend well, they're resolute and they are sort of up and thereabouts. Chelmsford gave us a good game away, uh, away to Hewish Park and we're, we'll be travelling to them at the end of February. Other than that, there's Torquay and Worthing both at home. They're the only ones I'm really, really worried about and we could win the league away to Weymouth and what better way to stick your things up to your local rivals than to <laughs> win the title in the backyard. So... Maybe we just drop off a little bit just so we can time it perfectly to do it then because that would be a wonderful way to end the season. That would just be perfect scenario, wouldn't it, Rick? If it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, if you could. I appreciate we're looking quite far ahead, but then 
you know, I know that you would say don't get carried away, but when you're 13 points clear, it's quite difficult not to. And I imagine maybe that's the same inside the dressing room, even though they won't admit that. There's a thing that it's not a noise that you can make in public, is it? But at the back of their minds, they all they all think the same thing. It's it's theirs to lose now, isn't it? So, yeah, on to, on to Weymouth. That would be lovely. That old saying of one hand on the trophy, does 13 points clear almost feels like you've got nine fingers on the trophy and there's just one just that last little grip that's just left to uh to get it completed counting up fingers could lead me into so much trouble so <laughs> i'll avoid that one we'll park that one dave Pryor. thank you very much for that and can anyone say that on the 11th of january that you've got any fingers on a trophy anywhere you don't want to you think it but you don't want to say it out loud i'm purely just asking the question I think Rick's right. I think, you know, basically, like, you can, you can dream about it. You know, I remember a certain Leicester managers saying, we can start dreaming now. You know, but you can start dreaming about it. But until that, the hands are, are and it's absolutely official. <laughs> until Mark hell... Cooper calls a press conference and starts saying, dilly ding, dilly dong. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll start look out for that one. Starts buying everybody pizza. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, I, I, listen. You, you you have to start dreaming. I think all the fans will start dreaming of that celebration, which will be long long awaited at this football club. Getting back to where they, you know, should really start to, to to be. You know, and if we do do it, then the real work starts because you know next season you're going up to a level of football where it is it is it's brutal. You know, and um, they take no prisoners. So. I actually think at times that um, that National League is actually better than League Two and it's uh, really hard to get out of. So then the real hard work starts and developing a squad that can, can cope with that as well. What's really sad on that note, Thorpe, is when you actually look at the National League, it's it's a competitive league because when you look at the clubs, it's a league of mismanaged clubs, which is why all those clubs find themselves down in the National League. So whilst it's really competitive, it's also quite sad to see as well at the same time because you you look at how big some of those clubs are at that oh. level and they and they're, they're a bunch of teams that have effectively fallen from grace yeah absolutely 100 percent. you know it's such a, a astounding history in that that league and look how look how long it took for for teams like wrexham and Notts county to sort of like uh you know get out of that and um it's like you said, it's such um, some big, big teams in that. They're obviously like had trouble times, like Yeovertown have, and um, and now trying to bounce back. And uh, Yeovertown bottom, unfortunately, came came in the in the old National South, isn't it? So uh, hopefully that we can now develop this club. And uh, but also the, the the money you've got to pump into that next level, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. And hopefully we've got an owner that's prepared to do it as well. That's the other big thing. Do you not I think, Thorpey, then, that the, the squad at the moment, we've said it a number of times, that this is a better squad than we had last season in the National League. Do you not think that it's one that you could keep the bulk of it together and, and, and move forward with that? Or do you need to revamp the whole thing? No, no it doesn't need revamping the whole thing. But it needs, there's, there's areas that I think need, need addressing, which I'm not going to display on air because I think that would be disrespectful to Mark Cooper and the squad. You know, they're doing an amazing job and, and I can't compliment them enough. But to, the, the next level is is brutal, you know what I mean? Well, it's some will be contractual situations as well, Thorpey, because obviously uh, Joe absolutely. Day is on a uh, a year's loan and he's out of contract at Newport. So there's potentially, you know, a decision there about if you yeah. know he might like to come full time. And if that's not the case, then obviously you've got to try and go out and recruit a new goalkeeper, which isn't easy. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we don't know, we haven't got that crystal ball to see how those, those thoughts go. You know, whether other clubs come in for Joe, whether other clubs come in for some of our players that have done extremely well, who we know that can play higher. Strikers are in a, a rich vein of form, go for a lot of money nowadays. Again, I know it's a different level, but we did really, really well down at Bridport. You know, it's a totally different level. But the next season, we had to rebuild our club, our team, because we only had half the players to pick from because everybody else had been picked off by higher, by level team because they were really good players. They showed a level of performance, and all of a sudden, they they were getting offered more money, you know, at a higher level of football. So that structure and that will to play higher and get offered bigger money is right throughout football, whatever level you're at. And Mark will have those difficult conversations to have, but that's why he earns his money, you know, decent money for is to actually make those decisions and build a squad. But we also know that he's been at that level and he's won at that level. So he should, in all fairness, Mark, Mark knows what he'll need. But again, you need that good start. You need that, you know, that, that togetherness. You need that work rate and, and, and you need to do that at the higher level. So it's not an easy task and not for the faint-hearted, because that's a decent, very, very decent league. I do think it's interesting to draw comparisons with Scunthorpe, because another ex-football league club made it to the championship and fell off dramatically through poor uh, management as well. It's interesting, perhaps you could say that the North is, is slightly more competitive. They're currently sat in second, but they've, again, assembled a really competitive squad. I know Danny Whitehall is the name that sticks out to me as someone that has had National League experience and done extremely well. It's interesting to see if they perhaps take the Stockport route of really struggling to get out, because I think it took them five or six seasons to even get out of the North, and then, never mind, get out of the National League. So, once you get out of the National League, you've got to keep the momentum, but this is our chance to go at it with a run-up for once instead of starting behind everyone. And as we all know, Rick, as well, the National League is the National League, which is one above the National League South. That fighting piece of information was dropped on, on Monday, wasn't it? I mean, hopefully, at some point during this evening's pod, we'll be able to share an insight as insightful as that but uh, that's a very high bar well Yeovil don't have a game this weekend because of the FA Trophy of course they went down 2-1 to Torquay United in December so there is a gap in the calendar well there was talk of a rearranged fixture possibly slotting in there but it doesn't look like that that's going to get sorted certainly not in time now as we record this on Thursday evening so just to sort of look at the the league as a whole at the moment whilst there isn't a preview to do. Tom, I'll start with you. We've touched on Yeovil can be pretty happy with how it's gone so far. You can't argue with that. But if you look at the rest of the league, it's probably one of the most competitive leagues around if you take Yeovil Town out of the equation. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, there's, what, five points between second and eighth. And there's still games in hand to be played as well. I'm sure a, a ton of them are still going to play each other as well. So, it's um it's it's all up for grabs. There's not there's not more than a three point gap between anyone from second down to eighteenth, and then after that there's a three point gap from Western Supermare to Taunton. And I mean they've got about a million games in hand as well. So it's only when you get to the bottom four of Eastbourne, Welling, Haven, and um, Dover that you really see a drop off in quality. And I mean Eastbourne have sat their manager and brought in someone new. They've got a draw at Torquay last weekend in his first game so maybe they've got something to 
make a point about because they've gone full-time this summer as well haven't there's signs of life there i think the only team i'd probably be worried about for the bottom two would be welling and dover and i mean welling beat us for one so you you never know there's not been a, a single easy game for us this season other than taunton at home and that was with a record crowd and a weakened taunton side and a full the oval side that's the only easy game we've had all season it's been interesting yeah. to see just the the level of talent at this level. Again, even the Hemel Hempstead game to start the season, that was an upset, especially in this context now when we're this far ahead. Hemel can say that that was a, a seriously impressive performance where, sure, it was against the grain, but they held their nerve. There's no weak link in this league other than perhaps Dover. Again, and they're in a complete cesspit off the pitch, so that they've been affected severely by COVID and it's they're still feeling the effects of that now so it's interesting to um see just how well uh, how competitive this league is again even avely a surprise i think one of the main reasons why i'm being so positive towards the oval town at the moment is kind of from a selfish perspective really because of the fact that the oval's last game of the season as i've mentioned before uh does fall on abby's 30th so if they could wrap it all up and lift the trophy before i have a clash on that day this is a personal message from me to the oval squad uh, that would be very beneficial that that could all be wrapped up and lifted long before i can uh sort something else out what, what's the last game of the season dover away what a lovely place to take her well you know she might like to look at the cliffs and also you could then just like pop her across the france Pop across, pop across, pop across to France. Give her a nice little romantic weekend. I think it's a win-win situation. You get the trophy. You take your your beautiful like wife to be across to um, to, to France. Beautiful bottle of uh, red. Win-win. How can that? How can that not be a fantastic weekend? And just you try not to now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start planting the seed with uh, yeah. Uh, now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I think that's all we can do to help, lads, isn't it? That's all we can do to help, and uh, you know, for a beautiful hey, friend to have we're a, beautiful a band, romantic weekend. We're a band of brothers, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. So uh, we will watch that with keen interest. Well, I certainly will do anyway. As to when, if, and when Yeovil get to do that very celebration but we are at the 11th of january so you're quite right tom let's just keep a lid on it just very quickly i mean i just think that the, the, the drive now has got to be record points isn't it you know what, what what's the drive now we're, we're 13 points clear you know i'd be saying the players like i want the record i want us to be going up set like last season by ebb's fleet 109 joint joint it's yeah. a joint record i can't remember who set the other one but yeah so can can we do that can we can we achieve that you know and uh well, can we get the break the hundred pointer, you know, and um, be right up there with some of the best at this level? That will give us a clear message that we are, you know, we're, we're we're ready for the next level as well. You've got to set your standards, and you've got to set goals to uh, to try and achieve, and uh, that would be for me a really great one to uh, put in front of the uh, the challenge to put in front of the guys. Well, let's look elsewhere then. As I say, Yeovil don't have a game this weekend, so we're going to look back on some Carabao now. Everybody's favourite energy drink. <laughs> Go on, Thorpe. Other energy drinks are available, I hear you say. <laughs> um, we will start on Tuesday night because oh, well, I was going to say there is. I was going to say there is a shock, but I don't know if there was actually. Looking at it, um, that's a point. Tom and Rick were busy. Thorpe, I'll start with you. Middlesbrough one, Chelsea nil. Second leg to come, of course. Chelsea yep. did miss 
a lot of chances in this one, but it sets up the second leg quite nicely, doesn't it? Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, Michael Carrick's done a fantastic job there. He's really well liked by the, by the fans, and um, I think he set up really well. Listen, chances are, are are what they are, but you're only successful if you put those chances away. I spoke to a Liverpool fan the other night, and he said uh, about the uh, the last game, you can only for the fact that, that this other club missed all those chances means nothing. You've got to put the ball in the back of the net. And Chelsea didn't do that. They didn't do that. You know, Middlesbrough now have got a fantastic opportunity to go to Stamford Bridge, you know, and, and set their stall up. At the moment, they're, they're going through the final, you know, and I think they've got the work rate in them to, to be a... Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely, 100%. It's going to be difficult at the, at the bridge to get that result. Can they do it? Absolutely. Absolutely, they can do it. I've been in games where you've gone, you know, at half time you're going in and saying they ain't scoring. You know, if we we if we defend like we're doing, they ain't scoring. You know, and um, I think that that's their attitude. If they work hard defensively, tracking their runners is really important. You know, that's so important. They track their runners, close them down, work hard. They've got every chance of of uh, of getting to the final. Yeah, Rick, in terms of the second leg, I mean, you can't argue with the, the result that they've pulled off. But as for as good as it was, maybe there's a part of you that just says, for how Chelsea are playing, it they may may well have just needed that extra one just as a nice little cushion. Yeah, they've got something to hang on to as it stands. But obviously, they want a little bit more, really. You want that little bit of a buffer because you don't... And I appreciate I'm being really picky there and a yeah, 1-0 but... win. Still very, very good. But you know what I mean. Who knows? Good Chelsea might turn up for the first time this season or mm. something. So, you know, they, they've given themselves a chance. So that's They might the, have another six players by then with January quite possibly, opened. <laughs> quite possibly. They might have spent another 500 million. Yeah. yeah. I, I believe there are some players that are available and on the market. So they might well do. But they, at least they've given themselves, a, given themselves a chance. It'd be terrible if it looked like um, Chelsea were just going to stroll it through when... And it would deny us of the, the Fulham versus Middlesbrough final that the nation is craving for. Are the nation craving for it, Tom Bailey? They are. I don't know if you could say craving um, oh, or the nation. <laughs> it, it would be different. And to be honest, I wouldn't be entirely upset if we didn't get if we uh, didn't make it through. As just as long as Chelsea don't make it through. That's all I want. I don't really care who we play. As long, well, no, I want to play Middlesbrough, but I don't care who Middlesbrough play. Well, let's get on to that then, because Thorpe, you were our man at Anfield oh, on well, Wednesday well. night. Yes. Had so, you been uh, naughty, Thorpe, and got sent there as some sort of a punishment? <laughs> you upset someone. What they send you to that the, terrible place I in, for? I was even in the cop end as well. Oh, good Ooh. Lord. Yeah. Someone ate well, you. I am, I'm very disappointed that Mr. Pryor hasn't picked up, because he's a very good man with the one-liners, that instead of saying craving, he didn't say... Craven, you missed a pun, Prior. Dave yes. Pryor, what's going on? At the I chance that the cra- having the Craven, he's crestfallen. Look at his little face. He's really upset. He missed but, that. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. Uh, I have to save the puns for commentary only. Absolutely. <laughs> I got to say, when they counterattacked, Fulham looked looked dangerous, and I was a bit. Me and my mother were a little bit worried. We were a little bit worried. We were because we wanted to win a first time ever at the age of. 85 up at uh, Liverpool. Fantastic. And, um, and she got to see a 2-1 win. But they got to say, they did look at and, and William, well, 
he defies his odds for age, and he's absolutely a fantastic player. But Liverpool got got ahead. They they, they did, did really really well, and I got to say they've got a star in the making in Connor Bradley, right back, who I think really controlled the right hand side. And though Curtis Jones, which is my mum's favourite, who got man of the match, I thought I thought they were wrong on the night, and uh, I thought Connor Bradley was outstanding in the whole game. The, the other player that I really liked, and we've got to be careful of, was. Um, is it Aaron Robinson, the left back for um, uh, Anthony Robinson? Yeah, Anthony Robinson. Sorry, uh, the left back. He looked absolutely class, and it was a really good tussle between those two. I thought it was a really, really good. You know, he's uh, been uh, linked with player. Liverpool in recent weeks, Thorpey. Has he really? I tell you what, Joe Gomez was 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 excellent on the left hand side, but we do need another left hand side. I think he's he looks hungry. He does this thing where he looks to go down the flank and then just pops the ball in between the two players when they double up. And he's got pace on him as well. So I can see him definitely stepping up to the next level. And um, But uh, again, you know, I think it was um, a game of two halves. Fulham had the, um, the, f- the first half. They got in there and l- although Liverpool had a lot of possession, uh, they didn't utilise it well enough. And uh, then second half they came out, brought on a bit of class and... Um, you know, and, and, and turn the tide. And another second leg, Rick, which is still pretty tight and close in, close in contest. Yep. Going to be a tough place for uh, for the old bin dippers to go down to Craven Cottage. <laughs> Hopefully five more goals at home for Fulham. That would be lovely. That would give the nation exactly what the nation deserves. Fulham Middlesbrough final. Yeah, I think everyone would be happy with that. Even Tom Bailey's smiling. It'll be, a, it'll be a, a fresh change. Never won a major trophy, Fulham. Wow. But they're not going to, are they, Tom Bailey? No. <laughs> to be fair, even if they beat us, I wouldn't be entirely They're just not going down that road. I, I don't know. I think the fact that a, a club the size of Fulham have not won anything at all, is that what No, I've said that. I don't know if that discounts any first division like second division wins. So if you take that aside, as, certainly as, domestic yes. trophies, I don't think they've any won ma- any major trophy. Yeah. yeah. I must find out. 1879, so 145 years, and they've not won a single major trophy. That is, that's impressive. Well, it'll be 146 by the end of this. Lovely. <laughs> I want to keep that. I want to, I want to keep that as like a, a little record. That's better than Spurs not winning anything. <laughs> there, there, there's, a, there's a certain, um, you know, not, not the top quad, but there's still a quad, possible quad, uh, a trophy win this year and I think that um, when you're developing these top clubs they want to win trophies and uh, so there's still a a certain quad to be I see him laughing but why would you say that Thorpe you've just uh, opened the door a, because I know I know he's now <laughs> champing at the bit <laughs> it's not going to happen let's be fair because uh, I don't think it, these things have a way of, of turning out but I just think that you know at the top level you're, you you want to be in finals and uh, this is another you know another final and I think that they they'll want to win it like so um, you know I think that we'll go there I think the away teams you know and I think you know Middlesbrough are, are in this as well you know I think it'll I think they're both of them going to score the first I've just got a feeling they're both going to score the first goal one time will put it out of reach the other one will will make it extremely interesting I hear 2001 calling perhaps a treble on the cards who knows but. Marco Silva's got a new suit. He's all right. <laughs> all great managers want to win trophies, and uh, Jurgen Klopp will 
take whatever he can get. And I certainly think that this is what the, the club needs at this stage of, of, of his managerial career at Liverpool. You know, and um, if he wants to be known as one of the greatest, then he needs trophies. I, I, wouldn't, give a, I wouldn't give a monkeys which trophies they were. And I want to keep on winning. And if you, you get a winning mentality, which you've got to have, that, that's, that's what you need. You know, you need trophies on the, ta- on the you know, in that, in that cabinet. I think that's fair. I think everyone agrees with that, don't they? It always makes me laugh when like people will be watching fans in the final of, say, a Carabao Cup, and then everyone goes, oh, it's only the Carabao. And it's like, yeah, yeah because everyone's going to turn to each other and go, oh, what are we doing? This is silly. And then just walk home. <laughs> of course, that's not going to happen. You're going to celebrate it. And hopefully, from our perspective, Thorpe and Tom, together, we will be lifting the Carabao Cup in... Well- well, End let, of February, let, early March, whenever it is. Let, let's ask Rick. Was Ferguson worried about what he won? No, no, no. And he's an absolute one of the most hungriest managers I've ever known. That Scottish, you know, winning mentality is it was was like driven through his his side, you know, and and he and he knew when to chop chop a big name because he having, wanted um, fresh blood to start winning again. Yeah, having shed loads of money in the bank is, is very lovely and it's something we all aspire to. But at the end of the day, you're a competitive athlete and what you want are medals and trophies. Yeah. And those days yeah. where you're winning these things. So, Rick, uh, do, you think it's, do you think it's a relatively new thing in terms of fans digging each other fans out about what trophies are that they've won? Or do you think that's always been there, but it's just been highlighted by social media? It's always been there. The Carabao or the League Cup or the Milk Cup or whatever. Milk Cup, yeah. Whatever manifestation of it it is, it's always the Mickey Mouse trophy if you don't win it. Mm. It's always that yeah. one, and it's always looked down upon until you win it, and then all of a sudden it becomes important. But Thorpe is absolutely right. It's winning games, winning trophies. Those are the things that are important, not just picking up your paycheck. Jaden yeah. Sancho, Jordan Henderson. There's more to it than that. 100% agree. Well, let's just touch on that very briefly then. I realise we've not got into any of the previews yet, but there we're now at the winter break where the Premier League splits between two weekends. So we've only got half the fixtures. So we should have a little bit of time to just talk about the January window opening. Rick, you've mentioned it there. A couple of deals that have already gone over the line. Sancho back to Borussia Dortmund. And Going issue, home, apparently. On loan. Going yeah. home, as he said. Timo bit. Werner, of course, has completed a loan move to um, to Spurs from Leipzig. Loan move is very much dominating, as you would probably expect for January. And the third highest profile one, if you want to call it that, is uh, Eric Dyer completing his move to Bayern Munich. So, uh, Rick, I'll stick with you. Any thoughts on those three in particular? I guess we'll start with Sancho from your perspective, because mm-hmm. United, no doubt, will obviously be whatever happens will probably take a loss on the investment for Sancho. But I guess from their point of view, they're hoping that he recaptures some form and hopefully that might just put the price tag back up again if anyone wants him in the summer. Well, that's yeah, that's the whole sole purpose of it. Get him some games, get him some resale value. If he's sat, just sat at home playing on his PlayStation, training with the kids and eating his pat lunch, he's not going <laughs> to attract any buyers, is he? So uh, people who want uh, a professional athlete with an unprofessional attitude there's your boy but he'll get some games over at Dortmund they love him over there they know how to cope with him so it's, it's probably it's, as it's turned out it's the it's the best solution for for everybody for all parties concerned they get a player they know and who can perform at that level for buttons really so everyone's happy Tom Timo Werner at Spurs it's uh, raised a few eyebrows that one but 
he's still only 27 and he's still got a lot to offer there's no doubt about the pace that he's got and there's been quite a few examples of players who have gone to Chelsea hasn't worked out gone to somewhere else and then really thrive so what camp are you in with this move I think it's mainly just cover for Son and then he'll just play a bit part role until the end of the season if he plays well off the bench or, or does well like he like Kulisevsky did when he uh, came in then maybe they activate the clause I, I hear it's not very much compared to what um, Chelsea paid initially I think he's not quite been the same since he went back to Leipzig from from Chelsea obviously he was on fire before he arrived in England but you never know maybe the touch of Ange will um allow him to express himself better I was very excited when um I heard that Liverpool were linked with him before he went to Chelsea I still think he's probably got there's probably a really good player in there it's just we were thankfully proven wrong to not it's amazing how football plays out like that isn't it with transfers that you think are going to go one way because yeah I I was of the opinion that it was going to happen and it was quite gutted when it didn't happen and then everybody moves on and I'm still waiting for Nabil Fakir to be announced I don't know when that's going to happen one for the ages that one he was in the kit and did the media stuff as well didn't he I'm pretty sure and then there's an interview that he's done somewhere as well. There's an interview and everything, and then they cancel it. For Pete, Eric Dyer, he's somebody who's maybe frozen out. It's probably a bit harsh. I don't know. Maybe that is accurate. But it wasn't that long ago. People were talking about Eric Dyer as almost like the Messiah because he was that player that could play defensive midfield and also anywhere across the back line. And he was seen as, uh, you know, it was a key part of the 2018 World Cup when Southgate's boys first got to the world cup semi-final but since then it seems to have sort of only drifted one way would that be fair to say is this a move that kind of benefits everybody at the moment yes absolutely uh, but flipping out what a move i mean what a move how much do you think agent harry kane had to do in well, this move agent harry kane needs to take a massive pat on the back do you know what i i, I really want I want to see this. There's a, I've got a picture of him here about his transfer, and, and I've seen uh, Dyer with a smile on his face. I want to see him enjoy his football because, as a, as a, a central defend, defender, he used to play midfield, defensive midfield. They dropped him back into the line. All of a sudden, I, I said, I said, I've seen him for about five or six games. I said he could be potentially one of the best central defenders in the world, right? And then all of a sudden, his form just dipped off. I don't know why that was. But he's, he's been given an opportunity now at one hell of a European club. Again, probably one of the biggest clubs in the world. And he's played on the continent before, because I think he yeah. came through the Sporting, Elis- uh, Sporting Lisbon Academy, didn't he? And has played games in Portugal. So Absolutely. he just wandered the Bundesliga. He might sort of find himself again. And who knows, get, get him back himself into the England squad. Yeah, well, there's certain players have gone across, like I say, um, I forget the guy's name, went to Italy. Smalling? Uh, Smalling. You know, and he's resurrected his career. You know, a, a big club, and now the, the fans absolutely love him over there. I think Dyer's got the, the, the opportunity to have the same thing happen to him. You know, at, at Bayern Munich, it's a different style of football. I think it's slightly slower paced, still competitive mind. You know, and I think it will suit him, suit him really, really well. Um, it'd be interesting to see where they play him. I think it will obviously be at the centre half, and uh, but he could be adaptable for them. As, a, as maybe as, as a defensive midfielder as well. And uh, I just think that it's a, it's a great opportunity. I think Harry Kane has obviously, they've spoken to him, manager knows him, 
and I think that it's a great opportunity. I hope he grabs it with both hands. Right, lads. Prediction time ahead of the Premier League weekend. Like I say, it has been split over two weekends, uh, this sort of winter break that we have in the Premier League, uh, if you want to call it that. So it has watered down the offerings, so to speak. But what better way to kick off than on Friday night, Burnley Luton, Tom Bailey, start with you. What's going to happen here at Turf Moor? Well, I was hoping you weren't going to start with me. Oh, um, yes, baby. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know, because Burnley are inconsistent. They will play well a lot, but just not. This was moved as well, wasn't it? It was scheduled to be somewhere else, and I think it, I saw it was moved because of uh, uh, Luton having to play a rearranged game against Bolton in the Cup, I think, and they managed to get it brought forward. I think that that's right. surprised me. Oh, I think it was meant to be played Monday. Um, ah. but they've got their FA Cup on Wednesday. Really? At least that's what's happening with the other weekend. But mm. I think Luton could come away as two one winners just because Luton are a better football team than Burnley. And I think it's as simple as that. Burnley could throw a wobble. Uh, throw, sorry, throw a surprise and Luton could wobble. But no, I think it's going to be a 2-1 Luton. Do you think it would be them. a surprise if Burnley won this one? Somewhat. But I think as well, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I realise how high my voice went when I said that. Is that going to be a surprise? surprise. <laughs> I think there's there's not really injuries. Well, too many injuries in either team as well. So they're they're not far from full strength. So I think it's uh, it'll be. I think it'll be a good game, really good game. Because Luton, as much as they sit deep and counter attack, I think they've got some really interesting players and a, a good way of playing as well. So I think. It'll be a Luton win and a solid game at that. Rick Hyatt, any advances on 2-1 Luton? How do you see this one playing out? Pryor's back, is he? I thought it was on a different podcast then for a minute. Um, <laughs> I think Tom Bailey is correct. It will be just a one-goal margin, but it, it'll be 1-0 to the Luton Town Hatters. And Ross Barkley's going to score. Oh, we've got scorers as well. I always like Ooh. to go that one step further. There you go. Will it be I a stinky 1-0, Rick? Luton, Luton have found a method that works in the Premier League. I know they're not playing against a established Premier League team, but I still just think they got the mouse of it now. And this is the sort of fixture that they will be picking up enough points in. And if they are going to stay up, which they're looking of the three promoted teams, they're looking the most likely. This is one that they really need to be picking up. I think actually Luton will probably be disappointed if they don't pick up a win in this one, the way that they've been playing over the last month to six weeks. So, yeah, I should go 1-0 to the Luton Towns. Thorpe, are you going a hat-trick of uh, predicted wins for the Hatters? I, 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 I am. Um, I, I, I like what Rick's saying about them, but I just want to change one thing. I think that Luton will go 1-0 up, and um, then I think close towards the end, Burnley will, will throw everything at them and get caught, maybe for a, 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 you know, a little counter-attack, because they're... They're really good at doing that, and um, but I think that the, their performances of recent um, uh, months have, have really encouraged me, and I think that because of that, I'd like to see their work rate be paid off with a, with a win at Burnley. Because you know, I, I think I've been very vocal about how Burnley have played and how they haven't learnt a lesson. You're not and a fan, are you, Thorpey? Uh, well, I'm not a fan of that because you know I I just don't agree with that style of football. You know, given 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 like a centre half, you know, in in his eighteen yard box the ball, where he's got people up his backside. 
I just don't see that being being a, as an advantage way to play football. To think that they're good enough to be able to do that, you know, world football's getting in trouble. So, you know, the, the top uh, the top of the um, their playing careers. I just don't see why Burnley would want to play that way, and why you would persist it when you keep on giving away goals, and um, to keep on playing that way. So, I totally agree with you, Rick, and a little bit of what you said, Tom. And I'm going for a win for Luton Town. Uh, but I possibly might just go a little 2 0 with a late breakaway oh. goal on the counter attack. Go on, make a fool of yourself, Pryor. Well, there's definitely a reason why I'm going last on this one, don't you? 5 0, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, th- I think Burnley are going to edge a 2 1 here, is my gut feeling. I know it's slightly different to when they played Sheffield United and they absolutely. <laughs> battered them we thought that one was going to be a bit more of a contest than what it turned out to be but i i put it to thorpe a few weeks ago that i think there's signs in burnley and then i said to thorpe do you agree and he pretty much said no <laughs> and, apolog- and apologized to all the burnley fans so yeah i think i, I think your um reasoning behind Luton getting something is pretty justified on base what we've seen so far but sometimes results do go against the grain don't they and i think this is the type of game where they have to target they won obviously up at luton earlier in the season i think by two goals to one as well so uh yeah i'm going to stick my neck out and say that it will be a home win to kick off the premier league weekend of barclays mm, interesting so then saturday we've got a wonderful offering of two games of barclays premier league action both on telly 12.30 offering and at half past five. We'll start with the London derby at 12.30. Rick, I'll come back to you first. Chelsea Fulham, obviously both played in midweek, so I'm sure they'll be delighted to be playing at 12.30 on Saturday afternoon. How do you see this one going? Well, I think that the rehearsal for the Carabao Cup final... (laughs) (laughs) one One of the two options that are available to the viewing public for the Carabao Cup final... Two palatable versions. I think there's every possibility. Are you ready for this, Hilda? This could be a Desmond. You could go Desmond. See, we might have half the games on offer this weekend. But we're still going to have the same number of goals. Yeah, we're going to still have the same number of goals on a on a given weekend. But they're just going to be squeezed into fewer games. I can see. Yeah, I can. I'm convincing myself now. And it's going to it's going to be a two all draw in the London Derby Carabao Cup rehearsal. I do think this is actually quite a difficult one to call, so I will give myself a bit more thinking time, Tom. Well, you're going to get it wrong again. <laughs> so you get it wrong, just contrary Mary. You're going to get it wrong. <laughs> Disagree with everyone. Uh, Des, I think it's going to go nah! one all. I think one all. Chelsea, again, you've got absolutely no idea. I see, you're going half a Desmond, I see. You, yeah, exactly. you teased yeah, Rick then into thinking you agreed with him. Des. Yeah, Chelsea, you've got no idea which Chelsea are going to turn up. And to be honest, we have no idea which Fulham's going to turn up either. They beat Arsenal, but then they get thumped 5-0 another week. So, I yeah, I, I don't know. They're, really, they're a really difficult team to predict. So, we'll just go down the middle. 1-0. That's fair enough. I think I'm going to go for a 1-0 Chelsea. Every time I predict Fulham to do really well, they don't. <laughs> It's what I found on this podcast. So, um, and they played really well, as you've spoken about. You were there yesterday, Thorpey. They played really well yesterday, and we're unlucky not to come away with something. Played yeah. really well in the game up at Anfield as well earlier in the season when they lost right yeah. at the end. 
So there is goals in Fulham, but not this Saturday. One nil Chelsea. Paul Thorpe. Yeah, I, I was really encouraged by by their performance, and I think that they know what they want to do when they're away. Are they going to leak goals? You know, if they don't turn up, absolutely they could. Oh, do. I did. And it has just um, reminded me of a question I wanted to ask. So, thought yeah. I'll ask you: Do you think Bernd Leno might be one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the Premier League? Because I think so. No, he's decent. He's decent. I don't think he's ever talked about in any shade whatsoever. And because he came from Arsenal and they let him go, that you know he's seen as sort of a you know. He's okay. I actually think he's very, very decent. I'm not saying he's gonna go back and play for a, you know, a Manchester City or anything anytime soon. But I think no. he's pretty solid. I think he's absolutely solid. Absolutely, he slows the play down when he needs to. Plays the game really well. His handling's really, really good. Um, he couldn't do anything about the goals, uh, you know, at Liverpool. But you know, he's a decent shot stopper for sure. And he commands his area, you know, he's um, he's somebody who, if you wanted to put a good youngster behind somebody, he would be the, one of those keepers that you'd, you'd want to, you know, because he, he, he knows his trade at the top level and uh, he plays it really well and to a really good standard, you know, so I totally get where you're going there, for sure. But I, I, I think um, Fulham have got all the attributes to be able to win this game. I think there's unrest at, at Chelsea and you don't know when they're gonna, when they're going to turn up when they're not. You know, should they turn up against Fulham in a, in, a, in a local derby? Absolutely. You know, but will they? I'm not sure. And I think on the counter-attack, Fulham are really, really good at it. And I was really quite worried at times when, when they, because they did look really good up at Liverpool when they were doing it. So I'm actually going to go for a 1-0 Fulham because of that. Well, it's time, listener. It's time. I know you're all wondering what's going to happen dun, next. Dun, dun. So, Rick Hyatt. Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi. They pair <laughs> off at half past five <coughs> on Saturday, the 13th of face. January. Which way are you going, my friend? How do you see this one playing out? Uh, not according to the financial regulation rules. I certainly see that. I don't know. I don't care. As long as Tyndall really gets up Pep's nose. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for big skirmishes on the sideline. This is a proper football podcast, so can we stop getting diverted by petty politics and talk about the beautiful game, 3-0 <laughs> Manchester City? I mean, Newcastle might actually be bang in trouble if Abu Dhabi put one over them yeah, yeah. big style I, I here, because they're not in a good way if you take the FA Cup game <coughs> into the equation. I think the original camel botherers will defeat the new camel botherers by three English goals nil english <laughs> it's an english venue it's the english premier league it's got all the uh, pretense of being english it's the home of saudi arabia remember so you're going for newcastle three nil newcastle to let in three goals Thorpey. Oh, to let in three goals because they were wow. up, in all honesty they were pants against sunderland getting back to football and leaving the other stuff aside they're not convincing they yeah, um, to be fair, Ballard for Sunderland had an awful game, didn't he? And that didn't yeah. help. <laughs> I think it, it flattered it flattered to deceive that, that result. And I don't see a lot in them. And it's normally around this time of year that Pep gets his camel botherers revved up and, and ready to go. So I think it'll probably start here. And I think Abu Dhabi will, will win by, by three goals to zero. <laughs> but Rick, but Rick. There's an injury crisis at Newcastle. You can't they, criticize Nobody's them. mentioned it. Nobody, nobody told me about this. <laughs> when you did this happen? You can't criticize them. There's an injury crisis. Oh, definitely 3-0 then. 
<laughs> all right then four <laughs> <laughs> at least at least three and i i think that kevin phillips will be paraded around the ground shoulder high at the end of it <laughs> tom bailey ah that's not a score line <laughs> moving on that's a noise um, tom that's not a score i i'm trying to decide this i actually don't know because i'm getting that yeah <laughs> Newcastle will not win this game is all I definitely know. <laughs> I'm just trying to decide if it's going to be a Desmond or a City will edge it. Uh, I think I'm going to go for Newcastle 2, City 3. Ooh. I think there'll be goals. Alexander Isak's fit. You're right. Um, there is going to be goals sandwiched into a lesser weekend. <laughs> he's he is not in my fantasy team so he will score so uh i think newcastle could probably spring a surprise in the early stages and then city do what city do and be boring and win so i think yeah a 3-2 to manchester city unfortunately it does seem as though that city are starting to get players back and starting to turn it on and fill forward and looks back. like <laughs> And his new long hair that everybody seems to love. Um, Foden is purring at the moment. Uh, so if you base it on form, I think I can only see a uh, 3-1 away win here. Thorpe, which way are you leaning? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going close to you. I think that uh, Man City got certain people back. Uh, certain young man is in great form. I think that um, uh, I, I, I see nothing but a Man City win on this one. I think there's... Get Newcastle getting found out a little bit. I think this is where their squad is just not nowhere near big enough for what they're trying to achieve. And I think that he needs to learn as a manager that he's done phenomenally well to get where he is with with uh, their, their monetary side now. And the players he's brought in has really surprised me. But they need some big names now. Big, big names from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Well, talking of big, big names, it's not often we get... Big breaking news whilst we're uh, recording the podcast. And uh, Tottenham have completed the signing of Romanian international Radu Dragasson from Genoa. Big, big names here being dropped on Three Valleys Radio. Tom Bailey, <laughs> what can you tell us about Radu Dragasson, if I'm saying that name correctly? He is a young defender. Romanian. <laughs> <laughs> he is a football player. He, uh, he joins from Genoa. And uh, I hear that Bayern attempted to swoop in at the last second and uh, he turned them down. So he's keen on coming to Spurs. So he's going to be fit and ready to go under Ange Postacoglu, as AD will uh, expertly Mm. announce. And I believe, I don't know if if it's involved in the same deal, but Jed Spencer's gone the other way on loan. So... I'm not sure if they're related. I'm not sure if it's not quite sure what's happened to Jed Spence because when he was at Forest, he was electric when they went up, and then he seemed he went to Spurs, went on loan to Wren, and then it all I don't know. It feels like Spurs was um, just the wrong move for him. Yeah, I I think there was a post that uh, he put up after the playoff final, basically sticking his middle fingers up at Neil Warnock, who said he was not going to amount to anything. And uh, Neil Warnock is looking rather right at the moment. I think there might be some attitude issues. But he's still young, and I'm sure he could iron them out. Dragison, I I don't know much about him as a player, but I can only assume he's a young, sort of modern defender that can 
play from the back and run with the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how he does alongside Van der Ven. I imagine he'll partner uh, because Romero was suspended every two weeks. So he'll probably play the majority of the games. And uh... you mean you mean that Dutch fella? Sorry, yes, that Dutch fella. <laughs> but I think they could strike up an interesting partnership. I will uh, be interested to see how it goes. By the way, just very the correct pronunciation of his name is Diop Tehuti Jed Hotep Spence. If I've got that right. So what? <laughs> what, what, I'm finding, what I'm finding how funny about is what, what I'm finding <laughs> funny is I thought you were going to tell us how to pronounce Dragerson, not oh, yeah, Jed not Spence. <laughs> no, no, I'm just. I like that. There. I'll tell you how to pronounce the English fella's name. That was nothing like I thought. Can that stay in? That's okay, isn't it? That's yeah, okay. That's good. That's, oh, a good roll. Yeah. that's fine. There we go. Well, look, boys, we've got two games left. I think we're probably running over because I didn't actually see what time we actually kicked this off. But never mind. Okay. If we're in extra time, we're in extra time. Gaffer's uh, not here. It's fine just means i don't have to change a nappy for the next 10 minutes so we'll keep going um yeah, hold it in dave <laughs> hey, yeah. hold it in <laughs> everton aston villa rick come to you villa have obviously been flying and they went one nil over middlesbrough last week with a deflected goal from matty cash so puts them into the fourth round of the cup where they'll be playing chelsea in the next round everton have not dipped in form as such they were playing quite well post the points deduction but they have not picked anything up over the last couple of weeks how do you see this one with them being at home or a villa just too damn strong at the moment in carabao cup semi-final week this is uh, this show me age now this has got this is the most like league cup fixture ever because i think they played was it the 77 league cup final and it went to about 18 replays or something they seem to be on every every week uh this is the most played fixture isn't it that they yeah. always talk about on match of the day yeah yeah yeah, and it's two proper proper clubs, as we like to call them, within the game, and I think that the Everton Toffees are going to come out victorious. Ooh. One, one goal to zero goals because Villa don't travel well, and they didn't look great in the FA Cup. So I just got, I got a funny feeling. Albert Lewin's red card overturned. Who'd have thought? Well? Who'd have thought an absolutely bonkers decision was going to get overturned in this strange footballing world that we live in? But yeah, I, I think Everton will do it 1-0. Just on that, Rick, we spoke about it on uh, Monday, Thorpe, about that decision, Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Are, are we in even more of a um, on dangerous ground now, the fact that referee gave the red card, <laughs> VAR agreed with the red card, and now the appeals process have said that it's not a red card so we've almost we've got the on-field referees the var setup now disagreeing with the appeals process like it's even gone one step further now that it's contradicting do you see what i mean there's too many then look at it look at you can look at it another way and you can say that the right decision has been made it's just it took three three goes yeah It's almost like they waited for a media, social media, print media, whatever media, Ferrari about the decision for them to actually think, oh, hang on, we might have made a ricket here. Yeah, it feels Mm -hmm. like the appeals process has now undermined VAR because the VAR is, you know, in a quick scheme of things, an appeals process. Yeah, if VAR was doing its job, there would be no need for an appeals committee because that's basically it. That's what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way. Okay. (laughs) 
appreciate that you you're probably filling your nappy right now so you're distracted <laughs> so we'll let you off on that one but it was a silly decision wasn't it and they think don't want to go down on this tangent because Thorpey's got about four hours worth of material on this but um, <laughs> they need to sort out the parameters of VAR moving forward because nobody has a clue what it's there for and what it's not there for at the moment but I'm glad that it's been overturned because that was nuts. I personally agree with all, everything you said. I just will say one thing: that, that there's an appeals process right throughout football. I've been in, I've been in front of the league while the appeals process is on. <laughs> You've been in on front a of a few, eh, Thorby? On a couple of occasions, and they're very interesting. But that, that's so first, first you... name terms now, Thorby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got chair. <laughs> Listen, you disagree with with what happened on the night. You put your appeal forward. You give them the evidence, and then it's discussed with them, and they either agree with you or don't agree with you over your evidence that you you give give forward. It, that is no different to what we're seeing, but unfortunately, at the top level, it is it's so public that it's scrutinised. Well, that's just what I mean, Thorpe, because where the difference is now is that your VAR is what your appeal should kind of be in a way, if you see, because that's reflecting back on what's just happened. Yeah. So it's like now yeah. when you're appealing. The ref's got it wrong. The VAR's got it wrong. So there's yeah. twice the incorrect yeah. decision yeah, making. But then if, if what Thorpey says is is right, the process of it, if you get the opportunity to put your point of view, you don't get that with VAR or a referee, do you? So that's no. where it is different to those two, the, I guess. The the appeals process will still be the same afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But but obviously it's, it's more scrutinised because. Now imagine that the appeals process happens during the game, right? Everybody sit round. Yeah, we'll sit down. Yeah, <laughs> there aren't enough five, uh, league league representatives. Yeah, there aren't enough you know, delays or, in the game now. We need a bit more. <laughs> or, or with their English, you know, suit and tie on with their badge, and nice and shined up. Right then, four PL. Let, let's press you for a for a scoreline here. Then Everton Villa. Well, I, I totally agree that, that Everton could definitely nibble it one nil. Uh, although I'm going to go for a two nil uh, Aston Villa. <laughs> Um, I know they don't they don't uh, travel very well, but I just think there's so much class through that team, and I certainly get where where you guys are going with Everton because they're definitely the side that could nibble away at a one nil win, and they uh, for sure. But I just think uh, I really enjoy watching Aston Villa play. I hope they play well, and I hope they come out two nil winners. What about Tom you, Bailey? Man? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, does I you like think... him, Thorpey? Sorry, does your mum like him? No, she's not too keen on the old Everton. Oh, okay. She's a Liverpool fan. Well, she really enjoyed her brandy and lemonade, so it was really good. <laughs> Kept her nice and warm in the night. All ah. as well. I think it's going to be a Villa win. I think 3-1. Uh, Everton out of form is the main reason. And Villa will find a way as they're slowly developing that mentality needed to challenge for trophies. So I think a 3-1. I don't even think Everton will play that bad. I think Villa will just be better. And the fact they're out of form doesn't play well to uh, Everton's favour. They've had a tricky run as well, Everton, their recent games, Spurs and City involved. So, yeah, I think Everton will lose. They can reset for the next one. Right, let's get on to the next one. Do, do you want my offering? Do I just quickly just chat oh, my okay. offering in? Oh, Go on, on, if you must. <laughs> this is two weeks we'll in a row we've forgotten, Dave. What's the score <laughs> not going to be, Dave? I, you know, you get more of my predictions when I'm not actually on the pod at yeah. all. <laughs> I think Everton are quite stinky at the moment. I think they're defensively pretty good, but I think that their um, goal scoring is completely uh, dried up. So for that alone, uh, I think Villa will, will have a 2-0 win here. Possibly even more, but I'll say 2-0. So yeah, I agree with Thorpey. There you go. There you go. Th- those talky fans were right that I was talking about at the start of this show. <laughs> 
Go on, then, Rick Hyatt. Over to you. Manchester United Spurs. The floor is yours. Last game of the weekend. Lads, it's Spurs. <laughs> With Timo Werner, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Score the winner. And that chap's name, who I've forgotten, Dragerson. Dragerson. No, Jed Spence. Well, you know, yeah, Jed Spence won't be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that the mighty Manchester Reds will not cock it up this week and will win 2-0. Hooray! Huzzah! Prediction. Huzzah! What was that? Is that with another dodgy penalty from your, your captain jumping six foot in the air? Has Jota stood up yet? Is he still tumbling from the other week? <laughs> Oh, yeah, but you've got to remember that uh, Fernandez is clever, though. Very clever. Clever, that I one. Couldn't, I couldn't believe how quickly he got <laughs> off the floor to take the penalty. That's how injured he was. <laughs> there was contact in the modern game. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if we're, if we're, if we're going Sorry, down I that route. contradicted yeah. everything I've said every week. <laughs> I've, yeah, I think it'd be 2-0 to United. And Razmataz is going to get them both. And the boy's going to storm it from now on. There you go. There's a prediction for you. Tom Bailey in the real world? <laughs> yes, the Monday pod is just a big fat womp womp. <laughs> I am going to go for a... Uh, ooh, let's think. I think I'm going to go for a 1-1. <laughs> it's a bit boring, but I think United will set out a little bit like they did with... To be fair, Tom, it is a scoreline, so it is valid. <laughs> it's better than nothing. Spurs in a good run of form, but I mean... There was that anomaly against Brighton. So I think it'll be interesting to see if their away issues continue. But I think United will just like stifle and um, just try and get something out of it to get some kind of positive momentum going. Is Andrea Nana actually playing this game? Because I've heard yes. he wasn't, then he was. Now he's not, but he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> so he is. In that case, I will stick with 1-1 because I think anyone else, it'd actually be a Spurs win. So, well, there we go. 1-1. One, one. So just squeezing in ahead of Thorpey so I don't forget. But I don't like doing this, but similar to what Rick was saying about Aston Villa, do I trust Spurs to win it a big game away from home? I don't think I do. And so for that reason alone, I think United will win 2-1. Really? Yeah, I do. I just... I think I think that's part of the problem, Thorpey, is that as well as Spurs have done this season, and they are a good team, and they'll probably play well, can I honestly trust them to go there and put the the result in with the performance away from home at Old Trap? I, I don't know if I can hang my hat on it. That's what's making me think United do tend to kind of pull some of these out and about, don't they, when they're going through a tough time, and then that just quiet things down for a few weeks and then they go and lose at Luton and then it all picks it back up again and then they'll yeah. go and beat somebody else that's up there so yeah I'm going to say United will have their day don't clip okay. that up <laughs> I'm just going to go fantasy land just to annoy Mr Hyatt there and just say that they're going to bring Tino Werner on he's going to score the winner and Dragerson in assist <laughs> uh, it could be you know, Dragerson might go close he might hit the post but you know, I'm going to go for Tino Werner Listen, just just because of uh, sometimes the way stories happen, but um, I just think that, that they'll they'll nick it, and he's going to score the winner. That's that's where Rick and I are very different because you know I'll I'll predict a Manchester United win. I don't care. You know it's it's all good. It's all yeah, good. but you're not a petty, small-minded man like I am, David. You're a noble human <laughs> being. Pick that bit up. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, Tom. I was just saying, if we cast our minds back to the 4th of October 2020, Manchester United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 6, maybe if we're going into Fantasyland, we see something similar. I don't think it will, but if we're going down Thorpe's... But as Rick says, there was no fan, so it doesn't count. <laughs> that was the asterisk season, wasn't it? That nobody... None of the trophies were valid. So that was the, that was after the asterisk season, <laughs> quote unquote asterisk season. That was the fully behind ah. doors season. So actually, there's uh, there's no asterisk for that one, other than the fact there were zero fans there. Much like playing at the Etihad. There you go. Asterisks on all the titles in the past seven years. Should we finish it there? Before we go, though, I need I think <laughs> yes. there's an update from Tom Bailey. What's uh, Iriola's managerial status this week? Is he safe? I thought you were about to ask me for my fantasy team. No. Um, he's fine. Yeah, he's absolutely fine. Me and Andoni, yeah, we get on. He's safe Good for another man. week. Yeah, 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 he's fine. Good. Yeah, he's absolutely fine. We'll find out next week if he's not. He'll be fine. See, what I'm actually hearing is, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> absolutely fine. Uh, I did see on the um, transfer talk today that Newcastle were linked with Solanke, and I thought, oh, so close! <laughs> so close! <laughs> Not happening. It's a coming. It's Not a coming. Happening. Still got a couple of weeks to go, but that's it for this week's Football Bloody Hell preview show. Preview with a little bit of review. Before we do go, just a nod to former England manager Sven Juran Eriksson, of course, who did come out today to say that he's got terminal cancer and potentially has only up to a year to live, which is awful news. So uh, just to quickly um, touch on that, and we hope that you, you get better, but Rick, it's, it's just rubbish news, isn't it? No, no getting around it any other way. Yeah, it's awful news. And he's actually been quite, quite stoic about it and quite level-headed. He's treating it as the best he can, I suppose. He's making the best of a really, really shitty situation. So, yeah, uh, yeah obviously our best wishes go go to him and, and hope that whatever time he has got left is quality time. Yeah, not much more to add to that, uh, Thorpey, really? No, absolutely well said. You know, uh, wish, uh, wishes uh, to him and his family. Yeah, and, and Tom, finally from yourself, it might not have worked out how he wanted it in England, but, you know, he's still a charismatic individual and somebody that's still, you know, thought of quite quite fondly from just being involved around the golden generation at that time yeah i think a legend of the game i think he is the first england manager in my living memory i wouldn't necessarily say he is the one i would associate with england the most but he can go down as a legend i think he's made headlines wherever he's gone as well thinking back to even Notts county when he joined as a director of football yeah of um, course yeah. he won the serie a with lazio two copper italias with roma soft uh, well three four copper italias lazio sampdoria roma he's done well pretty much wherever he's been so a real legend of the game and fingers crossed he can beat beat the, the doctor's decisions and as an england fan he uh he gave england the 5-1 against germany so he'd always be remembered for that anyway yeah and heskey makes it five what a way to finish tonight's podcast so uh rick thank you very much for joining us mate always a pleasure pleased to see that jordan henderson has cured homophobia <laughs> job done isn't it Good and that's why he's potentially on his way back the saudi league is the best league in the world so he's grown the game there and he's cured homophobia come home jordan we need you goodbye I don't know where to go with that. Poor thought. Thank you very much. Oh, absolute classic radio, that one. Absolutely classic. Uh, listen, listeners, enjoy your week. Hope you have a good weekend. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast.
yeah tom bailey thank you very much as always good sir thank you as ever for having me once again problem with rick is that he's the editor so he chooses what goes in <laughs> oh that's staying <laughs> he'll somehow make that sound like that came out of your mouth tom <laughs> Uh, and it's a very good evening from myself, Dave Price. I say there's no commentary this weekend on Three Valleys Radio, so we'll be back on Tuesday morning for the next podcast to drop of... Football, by the hell. 